Good morning, everybody. Welcome to a Church in the Valley. My name is Alex Barrett, and I am the, the campus pastor here. And we're really glad that you've joined us. We're in the middle of a series called Unfazed. And if you look at the front of the program that you should have, and if you don't have one, raise your hand and we'll make sure that we get one to you. But on the front of the program, you see a picture of this flourishing tree. And in this series, we're looking at how do we experience life that is flourishing uh, despite all the things that come at us that can tend to, to overwhelm us, to weather us, to kind of just dry us out uh, in life. And if you're like me, this picture looks promising, but sometimes life can be like that. We have a picture of what we want, uh, but the reality of what we experience doesn't match up. And so what do we do in those times? And so we've been looking at specific topics that tend to kind of wither us over time opposed to, to flourish us. And we kicked off this series a couple weeks ago. Uh, we celebrated our grand opening here and we talked about uh, being distracted, how being pulled in different directions uh, tends to, to just pull us in different directions and we feel stretched and overwhelmed and really hard to make progress. And so we, we talked about how, how God provides help in the middle of those times of distraction. Uh, last week, if you weren't here, we talked about just being unfazed by intimidation. And that is when things ha- happen in life that fill us with fear, uh, what do we do? Fear has a way of derailing our, our progress. It has a way of just kind of stopping us in our tracks and overwhelming us. And so, so what do we do? And then this week we're talking about being unfazed by, by sickness. How do we flourish even when our health may be declining? And so each week of this series, what we're doing is we're not just talking about uh, problems, right? We, we all have problems and it's easy to get around a group of people and it's easy to just even to ourselves, just talk about the problems that we experience. But when you walk with God and you experience a relationship with him, you actually have solutions to problems. You have a path to walk on that he wants to guide you on to get you past the things that can just stop us in our tracks. And so we've been looking at scripture as a way of how to navigate these things that we experience. And specifically, we're looking at the book of Psalms. And in, in Psalms, these are like ancient prayer and praise, uh, just accounts of people that are experiencing the ups and downs of life. And then in raw details, commenting on just what they experience, what they feel, what they're going through, and then wrestling with that and then settling on the truth. That God gives. And so the book of Psalms is really helpful. If you've never read that, it's in the, the middle of your Bible. And these, these are just poetic in nature. They're, they're song, songs that can be sung. They're, they're many worship songs that we sing are based on these books that, that we're covering uh, over the last few weeks. And so today we're, we're going to do that, do that again. But I just kind of want to highlight just some things, even in my own life, that, that I've just experienced over the last few years related to this, this idea of sickness, because I myself have always considered myself somewhat healthy and young. And then there's a point in life when you realize you look back and you're not as young as you once were. Right. The young people in here are like, I have no idea what you're talking about. I am invincible. And I thought that. And then a couple of years ago, uh, some of you remember this, but I, I ruptured my Achilles tendon. And I was on a knee scooter and I couldn't, I couldn't walk. And for about a year, I ruptured it and then I re-ruptured it. And for a year, I was kind of faced with just the fact that like I'm falling apart. 
And I experienced that in a real way. And it, it wasn't fun. It was hard. It was just a process of, of really wrestling with things related to my, my own health. There's people in my life, a close friend just had a serious cancer removed just a couple months ago. My mom has, over the last few years, had a second occurrence of, of breast cancer. She was in a major car accident. And I asked her, I was talking today, and I told her I was going to be speaking on sickness, and I knew she had a lot of experience in her life just recently. And I asked, I said, Mom, over the last 10 years, how, how much like health issues have you related to? Like, how many surgeries have you had? You know, when you te- we're texting, you know, and, and there's a little dot, dot. When they're like, haven't responded yet, I'm like, oh man, she's like calculating. And she responds, about 23. 23 like surgeries or procedures that she's experienced in the last 10 years. This is somebody really close to me that's just had this roller coaster battle with, with health and sickness. And it can just depress us and over, overwhelm us. And so that's not the goal of today. If you came to church and you're like, well, that's great. We're going to be depressed and overwhelmed. I want you to be able to face the things that you're facing related to your health, related to the health of those that you love, family and friends, and hopefully walk out today with, with a sense of what is God trying to do? And at the same time, how, how do we, in the midst of what God's trying to do, how do we move forward? And how do we experience even the flourishing, even when at times we don't feel like it because of what's going on with, with our health? And so that's, that's what we're going to be talking about today. And I want to start with this kind of overarching idea that is helpful for everything I'm going to talk about. And that is that, that God is with us in our sickness. I think one of the biggest battles that we all face when our health begins to fail and when we experience sickness is this idea that we are all alone. Have you ever felt that? And it may not even be serious, but it's just something that you're sick, you're missing out on something, you're at home, you're trying to rest up and there's just this feeling like you just feel lonely. No one is there. And that, that feeling can really weigh on us. That feeling can be actually overwhelming. So there's this sense that we feel all alone. But as you dig into the scriptures, something that you find is there's nothing that you face that you are actually all alone. If you're a follower of Christ, God is always with you. If you're a follower of Christ, if you're not a follower of Christ, God is always with you. There's never a part in the world where you exist where God isn't. His presence is always there. So even... When our bodies fail, even when we're battling just that, that overwhelming sense of us falling apart, God, God is there. And you can't get away from that reality because God is God and he created us. Since he created us, he is always there. Now, the psalmists, just like many people in, in the scripture, they, they experience life and then you know God is there, but it still doesn't, doesn't feel like it. And in Psalm 73, uh, in a specific kind of instance, the psalmist is in the beginning of the book of 70, in the beginning verses of, of uh, 70, Psalm 73, he's, he's depressed. And if you're ever like depressed or really struggling with life and you read the Psalms, there's a part in which you're like, man, this just resonates. And then if your life is feeling like really good and you're really optimistic and sometimes you read the Psalms, you're like, man, that person, like Debbie Downer, like what? What is wrong with you? But what he's doing the psalmist is just contemplating, like, I, I feel like I'm all alone. I'm overwhelmed. People are coming against me. And there's just this, this he's just kind of letting us into his depression. 
But this is a, this is a raw account. And so he's just, just jotting these thoughts, and, and we get to, to read this, this book. And then in the later parts of Psalm 73, he comes to this resolve. And I want to talk about this because this is this helpful in, in relation to the, the presence of God. And th- this is what he says. Nevertheless, so nevertheless what I feel, nevertheless what I'm going through, you can see it up on the screen. It says, I'm continually with you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterward, you will receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. Go ahead and go to 26. It says, my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. If you could go back to 23. I want to walk through this. Because what he's describing is, despite all I'm feeling and the depressed state that I'm in, I have to get to the truth. And the truth in these scriptures are meant to be promises for us today. And that's how God uses the Bible. People have these accounts in history of walking with God in time, in space, in real experiences. It's not hypothetical. And as you read the Bible, there's a sense in which people have experienced in history, we can experience now because God's the same then as he is now. And he didn't leave his people then and he doesn't leave us now. And so he comes to the, this resolve, and I just want to walk through this. And the, the first part, I am continually with you. You hold my right hand. There's this sense of this God that can seem big and can be create, the, the creator who he is, can seem absent. But that couldn't be the most opposite of the truth. The, the, the fact is, is God is there. To the point where the psalmist is describing this part of God is holding me, my, like my right hand, like he is here. He is where I am. And when your health is declining, sometimes that is just the only promise you can hold on to. I'm not alone. My biggest fear is that I'm alone. But even if no one is with me, God is. And then he goes on. You guide me with your counsel. This is the idea that when I have no idea of how I'm going to get through this in my health, when I have no idea how I'm going to kind of navigate forward, God will guide me. So as I turn to him, God will guide me. And how does he guide us? He guides us through the scriptures. That's why we need to read them. We need to read them as a church. We need to read them individually. That's where his counsel comes from. This counsel is not just these just blanket statements that we get. This counsel is with what I'm facing. As I dig into the Bible, God can actually give me specific things that I need to think. Specific attitudes I need to choose. Specific things that I need to do. And God speaks right into our situation. So not only is he there, but he speaks to us through his scripture. We can experience the truth and we can get help. And then he goes on, and afterward you will receive me to glory. The idea is here is as long as I have life, God's with me and he can guide me. He can help me move forward. But even if not, if I die, if my life on earth is done, For those that have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you now enter eternity. You enter forever. So life here and now is not all that there is. All of us will enter eternity. We'll either enter an eternity into heaven with God for those that have decided to follow him, or you enter an eternity without God in hell. So the psalmist is saying, like, I can hold these truths and these can comfort me and this can be my, my guide forward. But even if my life wraps up here now, I still have hope because you will bring me into glory. You will bring me into your presence. So even then I will be with you in the most real way 
I'll leave this life and I'll enter life for eternity with, with you. And then he goes on and he says, whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. It's just when you get to this place where you feel alone and you have nothing, your relationship with God can become the most important thing. And it also becomes the point in life where you're willing to consider things that you've never considered before. There's so much opportunity in the place of sickness, in the place of declining health. It can feel so hopeless, but it can bring a lot of clarity. And that's what the psalmist is writing in the last part. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. The strength of my heart literally is talking about he's, he's my rock. I don't know about you, and kind of my, my life feels like it's falling apart. And specifically, even, even my health, it just feels like it's all unraveling. And I don't know how like, resilient of a person you are. But there's times where I'm like, okay, I, I could have handled my cold a little better. Like even stuff like that, like, I can't breathe, I'm congested, this day's ruined. Any of you like that? That want to bail me out? Thank you, there's two. There's two of us that, you know, the, but even stuff like that, it's just, it can throw us off. So the psalmist is writing like, things are falling apart, but, but, but you're my rock. It's the thing that I, you are the person I can count on. I can stand on. There's security there. The reason this is important is in life, if you think about it, without God, if you're not, your security is not in him, then, then what is it in? What well, certainly is in your health. As long as you have health, then you have a promise of moving forward. But it could be in our, our job, kind of what we offer to the workplace. Our identity can be wrapped in there. It can be in our family and friends. But when you look at the idea of sickness and our overall health, doesn't that impact everything that tends to give us value? Right? It enters our, our whole identity. Because if we don't have good health, we can't really work. And if we can't really work, then what value do we have to the workplace? And if our, our value is in our friends, even our friends over time, their health declines. And as we get to old age, we pass on. And the same with our family and the same with us. So there's a sense in which health and sickness, it has a, this way of it just clarifies what's really important. And this is what the psalmist is saying. So I'm just going to settle. You are my portion forever. There's many things that I want to carve out that seem important, that seem like is my identity. But all of that stuff, I can't count on. Because if my health fades, I could lose everything that I've worked for. But you, God, you're, you're my rock. So God is with us in our sickness. And that is just the crucial point that I just want to hang on right now. And then everything else I talk about kind of fits, fits under that. So God is, is our portion forever. He, he's... He's there. Now, one of the, the questions that you may have, and I've had myself, is why? Why do or why does terrible sickness happen? And people experience cancer and, and things that, that just take, it just seems like anyone. There, there's like just victims everywhere related to sickness and disease, and it, it can be overwhelming. Well, in the scripture, the original intent when God created man and woman was that there was actually this, this perfect unity and a union that existed between God and humans and humans and each other. But man and woman decided to rebel against God. 
And rebellion in the scriptures is sin. And that's the idea that I don't need God. Although he's created me, I don't need him. I can live life independent of him. And life independent means that I'm going to do it my way on my terms. And so this, this sin entered the world and there was a wedge between God and between humans and human to human. It's from that point, sin entered and even things like sickness, the world was broken. Because the world is broken, things happen. That wasn't God's original intent. And you see that in Romans 5.12. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin. And so death spread to all men because all sinned. So part of this sickness and just declining health, it's linked to this bigger picture of the brokenness of our world. Isn't there a week that kind of you read the news, you watch the news, you talk to a friend, you talk to a family member, and there's a part of you that just, you get a twinge inside of you that's just the brokenness of things. I experience that a lot. Like things are broken. Something that seemed like should have been so good is broken. An experience that people got to have, and it's broken. A relationship, broken. Somebody's life, broken. Tragedy. And it's because the world is broken. Sin entered. And therefore, we're all under the umbrella of sin. But the hope is, is that there is more than the brokenness. And God, out of his love for us, decided to deal with sin. Because in the scripture, sin leads to death. It's rebellion. If you rebel against the king, that's death. But God, out of his love, didn't ask us to die. He actually sent Jesus to die for us. So Jesus became the perfect payment for our sin. Every single one of us. And you see that in Romans 5.18, a few verses later. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. So there's a part of which... The brokenness is connected to Adam and Eve, their choice to rebel. And the brokenness of our world is evident. And that could seem unfair. But in the beauty of how God works, out of his love and his mercy for us, he allowed that also one person, his son Jesus Christ, could undo it all. What it's saying is, is Jesus' death, if you decide to trust in him and you decide to follow him, his death becomes your death. Just like Adam's sin became our sin, his death becomes our death. So his payment was made for us. So the debt now is, is gone. So that, that's the, the best news, despite the brokenness. If you turn to Jesus Christ as your hope, The ashes and the cracks, that's not it. He will rebuild your life. And you may still experience declining health. You may still experience hard things. That's part of the human experience because the world is still broken. However, the story is not written. And you can begin to build upon the brokenness through a relationship with Jesus Christ. So that's, that's the hope that we have. But that's a real question. Why? 
We're in a broken world. But while that seemed like the story was over and it's the most depressing thing ever, God sent his son. And we can build upon the brokenness with a relationship with him. So that, that's, that's the hope. So if this, if this is true and if this is what you believe, and if you're investigating Christianity, this is one of the things you have to really decide. Is that true? Is a relationship with Jesus the way that you can rebuild out of the brokenness? And we each have to decide that. But if you do, what that means is you have to trust God with the number of your days. With the amount of life that you have, however long that is, in good health and bad health, you have to trust God with, with your life. Because now when you decide to follow Jesus, he becomes your leader. He's guiding you forward. And so life now, you, you want to do his way on his terms. And so you have to trust him, even with the number of your days. Check out this verse in Psalm 139. This is, this is where you see just the kind of the, the poeticness of... Is poeticness a word? Thanks. All right. Got a thumbs up. Occasionally that happens, I just say something, I think I just made that up. But this is poetic in nature. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes soar... It's not quite as poetic as I had. I can't say it right. Your eyes saw my unformed substance in your book written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. So again, this, this goes back to God knows every single one of our days that we will live on this earth. And he didn't have a formula based on our life and our choices. He knew it before we were even born. So not only is he there with us, but he knows the exact amount of time that we are to live. So there's a sense that that we really are connected with God and we can choose to, to do life our own way, but he's our creator was determined the amount of life that we're going to have. And he sees it, and he knows it, and he knows us. And that's where the sense of cooperating with him becomes a real issue. Because if this is true, if we decide to do life his way, we're tapping into the person that knows everything. And when things are declining in our health, when things are just battling, it's always the unknown that overwhelms us. Here's the saying is you can connect with the God who knows. And there'll still be questions that you don't have answers to. But there's hope in connecting to the God who knows. And that's what the psalmist is writing. I asked my mom, as, just, as I've been just learning about her experience as I was just researching this message, I just asked, asked her for some, some thoughts. And so I just want to share these. My mom is a, is a follower of Christ. She decided to follow God many years ago. And really, she's a part of the reason I follow Christ too. I saw her example, my dad's example. And they've made many mistakes, just like I've made many, many mistakes. But at a young age, I, I learned that my parents were serious about following Jesus. And they were serious about doing that, even when it was difficult. And just over the last 10 years, as I've seen my mom battle these things, uh, I've seen her actually grow and, and really experience more of 
of God in, in the middle of that. So I'm just going to share a couple of her thoughts because I thought uh, that they were helpful. This is one of the, the quotes she had. When I found out I had breast cancer for the second time, at first I thought I'd probably die because I had it again. So that was hard to battle through. I listen to praise music all the time, and the Lord led me to the first part of Deuteronomy 33:27. The eternal God is your refuge, and underneath are the everlasting arms. And she said, I had real assurance that God was in control. So there's a sense in which things are spinning. You know, in her life, they were spinning out of control because of the unknown. But God, that's that counsel. As she read the scriptures, God gave her this, the everlasting arms. I'm the everlasting God that is supporting your life. And I, I'm with you. And that, that brought some, some real, real assurance. And what, what she's describing is that if we, if we turn to him, if we, if we turn to God, he can use all sickness for his purposes. And for my good, that's a promise. He can use it for his purposes and for my good. So I want to talk about that a little bit because I think some of the time in our declining health and in sickness, we we get stuck on the why. Why me? Why them? But there, there is actually... A purpose to it. This is something, another one of the things my mom said I want to share with you. It says, no one enjoys the pain of brokenness. Normally it calls for a letting go of something near and dear to us. At the time, it doesn't make any sense. But I've learned that brokenness leads to an unexpected good. And I, I've experienced that. I've, I, as I've seen the brokenness, there's so many things that don't make sense. But if God has a purpose for it, I think it's, it's good that we know what that is. So I want to kind of end with just the main purposes God uses in sickness. And this isn't like the, the last list ever made on this. It's just three main things. Okay, so God's purposes for sickness. Now, the first is for, for his glory. Okay, uh, that can sound like a very churchy thing. But when you dig into the scriptures, one of the things again and again that's happening as God interacts with mankind is that we recognize who he is. And he is the king and he is creator God. He is good. He is all powerful. And there's a sense in which as we interact with him, we should praise him and his name for who he is. We should honor him. And really, if you decide to follow Jesus Christ, your life becomes about honoring God, first and foremost. Bringing glory and honor to his name becomes the most important thing. That impacts your choices. That impacts your goals, your priorities. His glory and his honor becomes really the, the focal point of all of life. John 9 uh, talks about an encounter of sickness that the disciples saw. And like many of us, have you ever been sick and you're just like, what have I done? What have I done? I'm so sorry. What have I done, God? And so the disciples were, were just like asking like, hey, what did this person do? And this is the account. John 9 says, as he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, 
this man or his parents that he was born blind. So he's born blind. So what, what did he do or what did his parents do to deserve this? And then Jesus said, Jesus answered, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. works of God might be displayed in him. There's a sense in which things decline and when we experience the brokenness, that's when the works of God can be displayed in us. And sometimes those works of God can't be displayed any other way. Now, I, I vote for good health. I do. And I'm sure you do too, for you and your loved ones and all those you're connected to. But there's times where God could use some of the brokenness you experience to display who he is. Sometimes it's for your own, so you can experience him for who he is. And sometimes it's, it's for other people, so they can see who he is by how you respond. I became a parent 11 years ago, a little over 11 years ago. And I remember like the roller coaster of of pregnancy. I say that that just sounds like I ex- like really know it. I Can you delete that? Um I was there during the ups and downs of of pregnancy and I just remember thinking like wow, like life is is so so fragile. And I remember I was kind of this like just stressed out just process of like trying to figure out what it was going to be to be a like a new dad. Well, then we had like our first child and I was like, that's great. The stress is over. You know, I said, first child, I'd never done it before. And, and then my, my daughter was born. And then like that little knot that I had in my stomach, it like just grew bigger. And I was like, oh my goodness, there's a life. And it's got to be kept alive. And like I was overwhelmed by just this life. And early on, about 12 hours after my daughter was born, she was uh, just having trouble breathing and, and, and choking a lot. And you know, I didn't anticipate that. This wasn't what I kind of signed up for. And we're in the, like, the, the, the hospital room and nurses are coming to check on her. And she's just, you know, spitting up and, and choking. And nurses started to get this like concerned look on their face. And any time, I don't know if you've ever seen that, but when a nurse gets freaked out, it like freaks me out. Because like they've seen everything. But when they freak out, you're like, uh-oh, they're concerned. I'm more concerned. And I just remember just at that point, it was probably the most just freaked out I'd ever been. Because I didn't know what was going to happen. And so I decided that like, let, let's, let's get together and pray for, for my daughter. Let's pray. I remember being in the hospital room. and We were holding hands and praying, and I did just like this. And I started crying. I'm like, God, will you preserve her life? Will you protect her, and will you, will you save her? But even if you don't, God, I, I pray that we will trust you. At that point, I didn't know what was going to happen. So we prayed, and I'm just bawling like a baby, kind of like this, but even worse. And we said amen, and I just, the, the waves of feeling all alone hit me. And so I just had to get away, just 
to try to find a, a place where I could just try to like turn to God in this. And I remember I'm walking just like it was yesterday. I leave the hospital room and I'm just like crying. I don't know what's going to happen. I'm just trying to figure out where, where I need to go. So I, I just needed to get away. And all I could find is the water fountain in the little like cut in the wall. And I just go and I, I'm kind of overwhelmed as you could imagine. And I just go next to the water fountain in the little cubby. And I'm just like, God, I just, I just need you. And I never thought like, what if somebody was really thirsty, you know, and I think about this later, but just, that would have been really awkward. But, but I just, it was this point where all I had was, was God in that moment. I had my family and I had my friends and my loved ones, but all I really had was God because I I was overwhelmed by the unknown. And my daughter just celebrated her 11th birthday. And I praise God for that. But I think part of what was happening at that time was that my life, my family, whatever we did was, was going to be about God. And as we were praying in that hospital room, one of my prayers is that the nurses and the doctors that were involved saw that that's what we did. And I don't know how God would use that, but he was the only person we turned to for help. And so that's this idea of God and his glory. He wants us to turn to him in that. Now, the second part is a lot of times where we all go to. Another one of his purposes is discipline. Which is back to why the disciples were asking Jesus why this happened. So even in, in sickness, God wants to use it for his glory. And sometimes that could be discipline, like a father disciplines his children. Psalm 38.3 says, There is no soundness in my flesh because of your indignation. It's idea because of your, your anger. There is no health in my bones because of my sin. There's something that happens in life when things are going good it tends to lead us to more independence from God. When things are going good, we tend to think we have life taken care of. We have it all together. And oftentimes when we think we have it all together and we're independent from God and we're doing things our own way, that leads us to to making bad choices. That actually leads us to sin. So in our independence and sometimes thinking we have it all together and we're self-sufficient, we turn away from God. And so God will actually bring sickness to get our attention. Now, there's a part, if you're human, you're like, oh, no. You start wondering. So here, here's the truth. If you're not sure, if, you, if you've experienced sickness, you're not sure if that's discipline, you, you, you ask God and he'll show you. He'll show you. You don't have to live in fear of the unknown. But there's times where God uses that to get our attention. Just like a father. Because I know with my own kids, oftentimes it's the discipline that makes it more real. And with God it's the same. He loves us. And he will remind us that we're not independent. And that happens in the form of discipline. The third purpose that God uses is to grow us toward maturity. Psalm 119.71 It says... It is good for me that I was afflicted, that I might learn your statutes. Now, I don't exactly know when the person wrote this after the affliction, but in the middle of affliction, this isn't usually how we think. But you get to a point where you can settle that God, you did use that. 
And that actually grew me. And it's the idea of when something that, that declining health and sickness does, it just strips away all that we lean on. That's not the rock of God. All things that we tend to rely on tend to crumble. And what, what really lasts begins to rise to the surface. So this is the idea of when I've been overwhelmed with declining health, when I've been overwhelmed with sickness, when I'm overwhelmed with the brokenness, there's a part where all I have to turn to is you, God. And because that's all I had, I learned in ways that I never learned before. So it's a way of, I, I grew up. My declining health actually can grow me up. My mom, last thought I want to share just from her perspective. She says this, God selects the tools it takes to break our self-sufficiency and cause us to turn to him. When we give up our independence, we gain a new perspective of God's plan and purpose for, her, for our lives. This is part of her story. She's in her 60s, but I've seen in the last 10 years that she's grown more than any other period in her life. And I really attribute this to the, this issue with the health that she's been dealing with. You see, we, we experience this and it tends us to we can just drift off, get on our own path, feel like we're alone, isolate ourselves, feel overwhelmed. But God will use that to grow us. And there's times where the ailments, they, they could get worse. And sickness can lead to death. But just like I stated earlier, with a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, death is not the end. We have hope. Because if we follow Jesus, death is the beginning now of eternity with Him. And there's hope. So I want to close out. If you could pull out your, your connection card that Jeremy had you fill out. If you haven't finished filling that out, you haven't started, go ahead and, and do that now. And on the front side, just... You can put your name and email, and on the back side, if you, you have prayer requests, one thing is, is, is we, we want to pray for you. Even in the health things or the sickness or any, any prayer requests, you, you can jot those on the back. We'd love to pray for you this next week. There's also some next steps that you'll see on the, the left-hand box at the top. And the, the first next step is surrender to God's purpose in sickness. Maybe there's a part of which God wants you to use this, this time of decline. To, to honor him. To share with people that, that you have hope. God may want to use declining health to, to get your attention where you actually consider life after death. And if you've never committed your life to, to Christ as the boss of your life, you can choose to do that. Not only will God bring comfort in the here and now because he holds you by the right hand, but you also are talking about forever, an eternity that you can have with Him. So there's a place on the, the right side where if, if you'd like information about what it means to follow Jesus, you can ask for information. We'll follow up with you. But just ask God, if, if you're experiencing this, maybe there's a purpose that God has based on those three that I, that I shared this morning. The second next step is encourage someone battling sickness by. I think there's a time in which, especially... If you're a Christ follower, where you can be a light to people who feel all alone. 
There's people in your life right now that are battling some really difficult things related to their health. And you may have an opportunity to encourage them. And I don't know what that means for you specifically, but I know for me there's times where I just know I need to just make a point of contact with that person. Find out how they're doing, asking them questions and listening, caring for them in specific ways, praying for them, telling them I'm praying for them, even if they're not a Christian. Because God God uses that. And so think through maybe people. And then the, the third is just a blank. If there's just another next step, that, that you've thought of, jot that down. And I, I want to encourage you, God will not waste the brokenness. He will use it. So I'd like you to consider those things. I'm going to invite the band up. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to sing another song back to God. And we're going to receive our offering as well. And like Jeremy mentioned, if, if you don't have any uh, plans tonight, I want to invite you to the to Coffee Connect. And I know it's a Sunday night, and it's like the thought of getting pumped on caffeine. Well, to me, I I mean, that just sounds awesome. But I know it's like with Monday looming, but on a Sunday morning, you sit, and we sing, and you listen to me talk. But there's times where it's difficult to actually connect. But we actually want for relationships to develop here at Church in the Valley. And oftentimes that happens outside of this 65-minute window that we meet. And so I, I encourage you to come, and that could be the start of maybe you getting some encouragement or you giving encouragement to someone else. So I, I encourage you to, to come tonight. I think it will be a lot of fun together. Let's pray. God, thank you for the presence that you have given us forever. You, you've known every breath that we've, we've breathed in this life. You know every aspect of us. And in that, that, that provides comfort because we're not alone. And we don't escape your presence. And while that can bring fear, it also brings comfort. And so, God, I I pray that you will just help us to maybe see some of the things that you want to do in us. Maybe it's to, to honor your name, to declare to others around us the hope that we have in you. Maybe it is to to discipline us. Maybe it's just to grow us, to stretch our faith. God, maybe it's just that we need to encourage those who are battling their own sicknesses. So God, just give us just perspective in the moment that we may learn what we need to learn. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.